Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Positivity Strategies Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and if you're new to the show, I'm really excited that you've started to join us. My name is Robin stratton Burkessel, and I'm your host. Today is a different format from usual. I'm actually flying solo other than a guest who's going to pop in and tell a personal story in relationship to our topic today, which is about appreciative voice. This podcast is in fact a follow-up to a blog post I wrote a couple of days ago, and the title of that blog post was, What is Appreciative Voice in Your World? So I wanted to add some other thoughts to that and give you some personal reflections about why it had such a big impact on me. And I'm referring to an event that I attended just recently framed as the AI Homecoming, the Appreciative Inquiry Homecoming, which was co-hosted by Champlain College and the Taos Institute. And this was held in the um, David L. Cooper Ryder Centre for Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont. So a little bit about the background, about who was there. There were around 40 to 50 people, mainly from the US and Canada. And most, but not all, were familiar with Appreciative Inquiry. And the participants came from academia and education, from the private sector and nonprofit. There were entrepreneurs and business owners and students and more. So we were gathered there, a very nice diverse group, to inquire into the topic appreciative voice. Now, it was a great design. It was a three-day workshop structure. And um, there were lots and lots of interactive activities where we got to meet and mix with different people and enter into dialogue with new and old colleagues. The gathering was described as the AI homecoming, as I mentioned, and this was a little paragraph that introduced it. AI, and I'm use, as you'll know, AI is appreciative inquiry in my context, not artificial intelligence or artificial insemination. AI was made for these turbulent times. This year, our theme is one that can't be ignored. Voicing the appreciative, whether it's in conversation, in the media, in public forums, in organisations and in community, is so relevant today. How do we create space and opportunity for conversations across divides and across borders across values and visions that can help create the world we want to live in, how do we contribute and how do we create space and opportunity to co-create with others? That's what we were gathered to inquire into. As part of the first activity, and as I mentioned, this was a workshop format, so we were seated at round tables and there was a lot of moving around and mixing throughout the three days, but the very first inquiry was a 
was put to us in this way, what voices are coming through? And at our table, we, we talked about, we choose what we listen to. And there are things that we don't want to listen to. So we have the technologies today to be able to tune them out. And what does this create? This, this creates the possibility that many of us are actually living in an echo chamber. We're listening to people like us. We can filter out the things that we don't want to listen to or watch on TV or go to meetings and talk to people that we would choose not to talk to anymore. But is living in the bubble the answer? Is that helping us come to shared understanding and seeking to appreciate the perspectives of others? We recognize through our conversation and from our own experiences that when we live in inquiry, we open up to listen to others. And when we stay in inquiry, we're less likely to jump to judgment. And so that inquiry or that inquiry is really about how we frame the questions, how we choose to listen, how we continue to inquire, to explore, to probe, to truly understand different perspectives. Because when we do that, we find that inquiry questions allow us to go deeper And when that works for us, we can begin to create meaning together. And my guest, Mary Jane Dieter's story, will be a great example of that. Our conversation continued around positive, seeking out positive disruptors, those people who consciously focus on what works and is life-affirming over what's wrong in our world and what is life-depleting in our world. So those media channels that, um, that tell us stories that uphold and uplift the human spirit, even in very challenging times, are positive disruptors. And there are business innovations that are creating solutions to many of our global problems that are related to health and education and wellness. So we don't really have to work very hard to find some of the best stories of humankind. And that's the story of our time. That's what Appreciative Voice is, where we can uplift the stories of those exemplary situations where people are finding the positive disruptions, the things that are making a positive difference in your life and our life and the life of the world at large. Our inquiry continued into seeking out our own positive stories of applying and using and finding our own personal appreciative voice and examples of appreciative voice in others. So let me share the four questions that were put to us and I'm going to put these questions on the show notes page because My hope is that you might find them very valuable and you might want to use them in your own communities, in your own workplaces, in your families and with friends and you don't have to use them all. So here we go. First question, when has your voice made a positive difference? Two, when has your voice as part of a group made a positive difference? Three, Recall a movement that made a positive difference in the world. And four, 
When has an individual voice made a difference in the world? And it could be in the field of business, technology, education, or any other domain. These questions were designed by the design group who took the responsibility to create a beautiful design for the three days. Um, it was really interactive, as I said, and we got to meet and mix with lots of other people. But these questions I want to come back to because I'd like to focus on how these questions work because these questions focus an inquiry and they're typical of an appreciative inquiry. And I'm going to offer why this is so. So my purpose is to show how these appreciatively framed questions work and bring out the best in us because appreciative inquiry is such a life-affirming way to engage people in connecting more deeply with one another. And we can all do this. It's not hard to learn how to ask questions that focus on what works in a situation. We know that many things go wrong, that there is evil, there is hardship, and there are natural disasters. And entangled in the chaos, there are also things that offer us redemption. And in the lyrics of Bob Marley, his song, Redemption Song, there's this refrain that says, emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. And when we come from an appreciative mindset, from an appreciative worldview, and we ask questions that are framed from a valuing, appreciative, life-affirming disposition, then we are freeing ourselves from the mental slavery that really can hold us hostage. And I'm going to put a link to the YouTube video of Bob Marley singing that song and you can read the lyrics. And if you don't know them already, my sense is that you'll be very touched by the lyrics of this song and how relevant they are to our times. So for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to offer up how the AI guiding principles offer us a framework to practice our appreciative voice so we can bring more of that into the world. And before I do that, I have one more inspiring reading that I want to share with you. It comes from Maria Popova's Brain Pickings blog. And it just came into my inbox this morning. And again, it was just appeared to me to be so relevant to this topic of finding our appreciative voice. And so I'm reading from, um, from her blog, and she starts off with the poet Robert Penn Warren, who says, The self is a style of being, continually expanding in a vital process of definition, affirmation, revision, and growth. A process that is the image, we may say, of the life process of a healthy society itself. Now, that speaks to some of the guiding principles of appreciative inquiry, and we'll come back to that too. And there's one more piece that I want to inject into this, um, this podcast today because it's also relevant and it comes from the same blog post of Brain Pickings. And there will be a link to this on the show notes so that you can read the entire article because it's really fantastic. So I'm reading again from Brain Pickings, and it's the same in the same article that I referred to just now. And this is an excerpt from 
the humanistic philosopher and psychologist Eric Fromm. And so now I'm quoting. Self-love is the foundation of a sane society. Our responsibility to ourselves and to ourselves is really a responsibility to one another, to know our interiority intimately and hold our darker sides up to the light of awareness. But part of our human folly is that we do this far less readily than we shine the scorching beam of blameful attention on the darkness of others. Now this might be a good time, or is a good time, to allow Mary Jane to tell her story of her interchange with her neighbour. Thank you, Robin, for the opportunity to tell a story about an interchange that I had with a neighbor of mine. I had just moved into the neighborhood, and uh, I would say that it's it would be seen as kind of a, a left-leaning neighborhood, and my neighbor had had Ted Cruz signs on his lawn, and one day I decided to strike up a conversation with him shortly after I'd moved there. And I walked over and asked him what book he was reading. And he said he was reading an Ayn Rand book. And I thought, here's somebody whose perspective I know is so different from mine. And I could probably learn a lot from him. So we started talking about what he was reading in the book, what interested him in, about it. And um, he started asking me questions about my beliefs and my values. So I started sharing them with him. I'd been uh, practicing calling myself a Buddhist is giving myself a bit too much credit. But I certainly um, live through the precepts or try to. And it's really important, the, the guidance that I get through Buddhism. So I started talking to him about that. And he started challenging me and getting more and more heated and more and more um, aggressive about my beliefs about um, politics or uh, the way I look at um, providing for people with health care. He was asking me about particular topics and what my opinions were. And the more I talked, the more aggressive he became. And pretty much got so far as to say, you don't know what you're talking about. You liberals, you all think this and you don't know what you're talking about. So I stopped the conversation and I said to him that I was really interested in learning from him and that the way he was speaking with me was shutting me down. I said that I don't feel like you're really interested in hearing what my thoughts or beliefs are and that what you're interested in is convincing me that the way I believe that the beliefs I have, my perspective is wrong. And I said, I can't engage in a dialogue with you when I feel like your only point is to um, is to shut me down. And we didn't really have much more to say. He, he just stopped and he went into the house. And I thought, well, I'm really glad that I was able to say my piece. And the next day I saw him on a local bike path and he walked by me and I just yelled out his name and said hi. 
And he stopped and he took off his headphones and he said, Mary Jane, I want to thank you for last night. And I was kind of shocked. And I said, for what? And he said, probably a lot of people have felt the way you felt when I've talked to them and felt shut down. And I know I can be kind of aggressive in the way I ask questions. And I just want to thank you for saying that in a way that I could hear you and learn from. And that was the end of our conversation. And it was quite powerful for me to learn that if I just stick with what my voice is and don't go on the counterattack, you just never know how that will impact the other person. So now's a good time to focus on the principles that help us connect with others in ways that serve not only ourselves, but others. And I do this with the intention of offering a framework so that we can find and practice and strengthen appreciative voice, not only for ourselves, but help others to find their appreciative voice too. So the first one I want to focus on is the principle that says that the very first question we ask starts the change. So how we ask that first question is really significant. Do we ask questions about what's wrong and what doesn't work or do we ask questions about what does work and what's possible? So we say that in a, with this principle of the very first question starts the change, it's actually called the simultaneity principle. And we say that the questions we ask are fateful. They actually direct the conversation. And there's another piece that you can add into that. And that is that the more positive the question, you have a better chance of helping people find more positive resources within themselves. So if you think about our very first question, when has your voice made a positive difference? You're helping the person with whom you're having the conversation access resources within themselves of when they did actually make a positive difference. It shapes the direction of the conversation that's going to follow. Another of the principles that facilitate our connecting with our appreciative voice is the principle that states what we focus on grows or what we study gets amplified. So what we choose to put our attention to and what we choose to study makes a difference. And this is where if we take the appreciative worldview and we choose to study the things that are life-affirming, life-giving, are resourceful, are supportive and helpful and celebrate the things that people find give them spirit and uplift them, we actually grow more of that. We study that and as we study it, we learn our ways into this. And neuroscience supports this. The more that we exercise certain behaviours, certain thoughts, certain emotions, the stronger they become embedded into our brains, into our bodies and into our emotions. So coming back to our AI homecoming and the topic that we chose to study, which was appreciative voice, the more we spoke about our appreciative voice, we told stories, we inquired into, we listened to each other, the stronger our sensibilities and our awareness and our capacity for appreciative voice grew. 
So another part of this principle called the poetic principle is that there is no one single truth. So there's no one single appreciative voice. We all have a perspective. We all have experience of appreciative voice, whether it's our own or as we witness it in others. And we deepen our understanding of appreciative voice the more we learn about appreciative voice and make meaning together and co-create new realities of what it could possibly mean. How we choose to see the world is how we're going to describe it. And that reminds me of a beautiful quote of um, Joseph um, Javorsky in the book. I'm not sure if it's in this book, but he wrote the book Synchronicity. But this is the full quote, um, and I'm going to read it to you now. And it's also relevant to the next principle that I want to talk about, which is words create worlds, which is the third principle that I'm going to talk about. But here's the quote from Javorsky. It says, he says... I had always thought that we use language to describe the world. Now I was seeing that this is not the case. To the contrary, it is through language that we create the world because it's nothing until we describe it. And when we describe it, we create distinctions that govern our actions. To put it another way, we don't describe the world we see, but we see the world we describe. Now, this principle of appreciative inquiry is words create worlds, or it's called the constructionist principle. And it's saying that reality is really subjective and how we construct reality is through the words that we use and in relationship with other people because our world is socially constructed through our language, our conversations and our beliefs. So thinking back to the very first exercise that we were, or the very first question that was put to us in our homecoming event, what voices are coming through? And we talked about, you know, living in the bubble or being in an echo chamber. That speaks to this constructionist principle of words create worlds. We can choose to live in our own world, our own bubble, in our own echo chamber and shut off all opposing, all different, all views, all conversations that don't suit us. And we have to ask the question, how expansive is that? How how does that foster mutual understanding? How does that foster appreciation of others? How does that grow us and develop us as humankind if all we choose to do is live in our own bubble? So how we construct our reality in relationship with others through social connection is a really significant part of growing and expanding and strengthening our appreciative voice. A fourth principle that I'd like to bring into this is the principle of image inspires action. Again, it's kind of linked to that quote from Javorsky, like when you um, see it, you'll believe it. And it's about holding positive images of the future. They're more likely to live into those positive images of the future. And the question that was asked about, you know, what individual... 
um, has inspired a movement or is making a positive difference in the world, it all starts with an imagination. It starts with a vision. It starts with being able to see the possibilities of what can happen. And we know that as human beings, we move in the direction of our images of the future. So what are you dreaming about? What's your image that you hold of your future, your children's future, the future of the planet? This principle is called the anticipatory principle. We live ourselves into the images we hold of the future. So some of the inspirations that people shared regarding an individual voice making a positive difference in the world, uh, we naturally spoke of Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, um, Robert Kennedy with the Mission to the Moon, Steve Jobs with his vision of what technology could do for humankind. There were many others. People also spoke of personal um, associates or personal people in their own families who had such a positive image of the future that it inspired them, teachers that they had had, um, mentors and coaches that they'd had. You know, those personal inspirations like teachers and coaches and mentors and parents are about having people in your life who believe in you and support you and help you see you can aspire to something that perhaps you yourself didn't actually believe in. I know I had a teacher at school who so encouraged me and had me believe in the potential that I had and that actually shaped the trajectory of my life. I'm forever grateful for having somebody who had a positive image of my future that I yet couldn't see at my young age. And there may be thought leaders in academia or characters in literature, um, cartoon characters, movie characters who have inspired you because they held such a positive image of the future that it changed your thinking, your behaviours and moved you into action. I just want to mention in passing three more principles that are relevant. And one is the wholeness principle, which speaks to the, um, the collective so that the more people's voices you can bring into a system, such as maybe a community or in, in an organisation, in a team or a family group, the greater the chance of finding things that you have in common and chunking up to a higher sense of purpose and what is really important to the group as a whole. I've been doing this kind of work in Jersey City, for example, for five years where I've been called in to design and facilitate day-long workshops for different neighbourhoods. So these neighbourhoods have various stakeholding interests. You know, people put their stake in the ground and they have strong adversarial views about what is right for their community. Um, they're very invested in their community. They care a lot about their com community. They're very passionate about their community. And what is missing is the fact that um, there isn't a shared voice about what's going to serve the whole. So using this appreciative inquiry framework and giving appreciative voice to every member there, by within a few hours and by the end of the day, there are agreements about what can work because uh, um, because 
everyone feels that they've been listened to and everyone's had an opportunity to contribute about what's important to them. Is it all agreements? Not necessarily, but there's a much better foundation from and a starting point from which people can go forward and effectively continue to work in a collaborative, cooperative manner going forward, all coming from a shared understanding through asking appreciative questions and giving expression to appreciative voice. So another one I want to bring up is the power of narrative, and that's another guiding principle, because it's through asking or through the inquiry that's framed in this appreciative, valuing way, following all the principles that I've been referencing here, that is invitational in tone, inviting people to tell their own story. So people speak from their own experience. It's not abstract stuff. So when you ask the question, tell me about um, a movement that you may have been part of that had a positive difference in your life, you are inviting someone to share their own personal experience, their own story. And through a continued inquiry and interest and questioning, you begin to learn more about why this movement was important to them and what positive difference it made in their world. So this narrative, this ability to invite people to tell a story, you can't dispute somebody's personal history, somebody's story of what moved them to action. So the last one that I'm going to refer to is the principle of enactment. And that means embodying it, taking the sensibility that you have about your appreciative voice and living with it, really feeling it resonate within your body, feeling how it uplifts you, feeling how it opens you up, how it really expands your peripheral vision to see what else is possible that um, enables you to be more creative as you move about your life because you're looking at the world through a different lens, through a lens that, that's looking for what is to be valued here? What can I see amidst this stuff that is not making sense to me right now or this community that is just doesn't seem to be serving me or this world that appears to have gone topsy-turvy what is it that I can still live through my own, my belief system that's actually empowering me to go out there and embody, show through my expression, show through my actions that I can actually see something that I can work towards and it's going to make a positive difference, not only for me, but for those with whom I interact And of course, what this speaks to is this constructionist principle about um, words create worlds and that our realities are shaped and formed and meaning is made through social connection, through our relationships with other people. So I'm going to conclude now and remind you that you can find some references in these questions and the principles on the show notes page of uh, that accompanies this episode, which is positivitystrategist.com, P forward slash PS72. And I'm going to conclude now by giving a big round of applause and heartfelt thanks to the design team who created such a great experience 
again to the David L. Cooperider Center for Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College and the Taos Institute for making it all possible. And my final quote comes from my own book, in fact, and it's about um, the power of, it speaks to the power of appreciative voice. So let me read from the conclusion of my book. One workshop can be transformative. One single positive experience when we discover a latent talent or potential strength or experience a gesture of caring can be transformative. In fact, the very first question asked and the way that it's asked begins the change process. When we, are open, when we open ourselves to our best selves, envision possibilities and get in touch with our strengths, a paradigmatic, seismic, quantum shift can happen in the blink of an eye. Thanks for listening. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best.